I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of NFL Super Friends here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ over there in Florida, where it's not snowing uh, uh, profusely like it is here in Knoxville, Tennessee. JP Acosta of SBNation.com. JP, good evening, sir. How are you? It's a perfect day to be a hater. It's a perfect weekend to be a hater, and I'm getting all my hater takes off. And JP's one of those people. There's some people when they're haters, you're like, man, don't be around that guy. JP is like, he's a good bad news guy. Like there are some people where he can say mean things and it doesn't sound as mean coming from them. Uh, JP is one of those people where he could just be like, you're really terrible at blank, blank, blank. And you're like, he, I'm not even mad. He, he let me down easy. That was, uh, it wasn't that bad. Um, so it's a gift, JP. That's a, that's a good thing. Um, also here of USA Today and Behind the Steel Curtain and the pump fake, Mr. Jared Bailey. Jared, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, like the two teams I'm most associated with played each other in a playoff game. And my favorite player on planet earth went off so like it it was a weird weird dynamic somebody tweeted at me and said the streets are calling this game the bailey bowl um Mm -hmm. which which made me laugh but doing good man you know it was a solid weekend of uh mostly lopsided wildcard games but like all of them were fun somehow still so it was um fun blowouts i guess is the the better term for them but uh, i'm doing well doing well there you go um well this was a mostly pretty boring outside of one particular playoff game not a lot of intrigue a lot of people were waiting on what was happening after whether it was mccarthy whether it was tomlin uh, a lot of uh the, maybe sirianni after tonight taping this late on a monday what happens there but a lot of chalk stuff here uh not a bunch of highly competitive contests um over this wild card weekend but um 24 hours after I want to start here that because I'm very curious to get y'all's perspective on this because look, our team is out uh, JP, no Falcons, no Jags, but the Steelers um, obviously uh, getting 
blown out um even with the final score did not indicate uh so against the buffalo bills um in a makeup game uh on monday afternoon here with the real sickos <laughs> who were able to sit in these seats and move uh piles and piles of snow uh away they're built different and when i say built different built uh unlike me in extreme <laughs> fashion because you could not pay me enough money in the world uh to sit in uh, the conditions that those hardcore buffalo and also pittsburgh Steeler fans uh for for trudging those conditions but Jarrett, now that uh, your team uh the remaining member on this show outside of Evan Swords who will be hopefully back next week uh because the Niners are playing football again next week so we'll see how they do but your team out what are you thinking about uh, your instant reaction to the Steelers going down in Buffalo today you know in uh, the movie Dodgeball Vince Vaughn's character uh, Peter LaFleur says it's it's hard to be disappointed if you don't have expectations so mm-hmm. like I didn't expect anything going into this game um and early on those lack of expectations seemed to be um well earned because it was 21 nothing and mm. pretty soon into the game uh and the Steelers looked like an absolute mess uh they went five plays punt on their first drive and then the Bills marched 80 yards and scored a touchdown and then they went uh three and out one play fumble and then uh the play after the fumble uh, Dalton Kincaid catches a touchdown. That's quickly 14 nothing. And at that point, the game was over. Mm. I mean, if we're being real, after the 7 nothing touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, the game was probably pretty over. But once it reached double digits, nobody expected the Steelers to come back. Um, I will say this Mason Rudolph, outside of one uh, throw that was intercepted, played well. Um, you know, in large part, he, he made all the right throws that he needed to make. He hung in the pocket, extended the play when he needed to. Um, got them within a score. He threw, he threw two touchdown passes, got it to within 24-17. But even then, like you said, the result was never in doubt for Buffalo. Um, I think any sort of, you know, the Steelers coming back was more or less Buffalo playing with their food and a little bit of bad luck. They had, they had a field goal block, which led to a touchdown for the Steelers. Um, so it was, you know, a, a lot of weird stuff in the second half, but the result was never in doubt. Josh Allen played fantastic, had four total touchdowns, ran for a 52-yard touchdown where, like this is the second straight week where defensive backs just made business decisions and said, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not tackling that behemoth of a human running at me," and it's paid off both times for the Bills. Um, but in terms of like my takeaways for the Steelers overall, um, and if nobody saw this yet, um, Mike Tomlin was about to get asked about his future mm-hmm. by Brooke Pryor. Great Brooke Pryor of ESPN. And before she could even finish the question, Homie just walks off the podium. And, you know, whatever, I guess. Um, I personally don't think he's going anywhere. Um, hmm. But, uh, and we've had this conversation on here before. Um, I like Mike. He's been here for a very long time. Um, but I do find it odd that, like, like we've done it on this show where mm. we can talk about, oh man, is is Nick Sirianni in trouble when he was just in the Super Bowl last year? And by the way, I think that he should be in trouble. We can talk about, oh man, Sean McDermott in trouble when he's consistently in the division around in the AFC Championship game, which by the way, I was also on board with. Yeah, Sean McDermott's got to go. Mm. But the second someone says, oh man, Mike Thomas should probably be fired from Pittsburgh. Everybody's up in arms. Oh my goodness, how dare Steelers fans be critical of Mike Tomlin or uh, they should be grateful for what they have like sure man he will be 
if he does decide he wants to leave, he will have his pick of where he goes. And level-headed, sane people will wish him well, and he will likely succeed. If he goes to like mm. the Chargers, they're going to win. And I hope they do. But we can also acknowledge this thing's run its course. And much like the Seahawks just did with Pete Carroll, I think the Steelers should be like, look, man, we're this isn't going to be a marriage forever. And there's not going to be a head coaching pool of Ben Johnson, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, if they decide to go that route. There's not going to be a pool like this probably ever again. So, like, thank you, but it's probably best if we both just kind of go our separate ways. And look, if he still wants to coach, then great. Guess what? You trade him and you get some picks. That's cool. And you go into 2024 with whomever your new head coach is, and you try to build for the future with more than likely a new quarterback, which let's hope so, and go forward in a new era. But I think it's perfectly okay to say, Mike, thank you for everything you've done. But this thing has absolutely run its course, and it's time for both of us to kind of go in a separate direction. And I think that's what they should do. It's not what I think they will do, but that's my thoughts. But also, I mean, JP, could you also spin it for the Steelers? Like, hey, because Tomlin's won a Super Bowl, because Tomlin is still somewhere in that top 10 and coach the NFL, still somewhere in there, that like, hey, the Matt Canada stuff was ridiculous. Um, that was a, You were a little too loyal there. Um, just clean this up. We're going to open up the pool, just like expand how you're going to do these coordinators. Cause we see like in Philadelphia, right across the, uh, the way where when you lose some premier coordinators on both sides of the ball, things can get real in a hurry. Like Tomlin just, Hey, maybe you look at it this way where you're like, Hey, we need to revamp the whole staff around you. Just see what you want to keep, what you don't, but we need changes need to be made below you and real changes that like are inspiring hope on the offensive side of the ball. You need your Todd Monk in a way We're Ravens fans. We're very frustrated with the Greg Roman experience. Like it had run its course. It was successful early on for Lamar, but it had run its course. So they make t- the Todd Monk and hard. They go to the high school ranks. I think that's part of what I think Tomlin would need to do here because Harbaugh has been there forever in Baltimore. And part of what's going to keep Harbaugh in Baltimore for a lot longer because people forget Baltimore fans were getting a little anxious about Harbaugh not too long ago. But when you get an MVP quarterback and you have him uh, long term, it just kind of gives you a lot of cachet with the fan base. And right now, Mike Tomlin does not have a franchise quarterback. They tried with Kenny Pickett. That experience experiment should be over. But I think that's something that's why I would be a little hesitant of moving on from Tomlin is like how quickly this can shift back in a positive good long-term direction for Tomlin and the Steelers if you can clean those things up, which I understand are kind of big, but I still think that's a possibility for Pittsburgh. I think an encouraging thing for the Steelers and Steelers fans is that Mike Tomlin actually fired Matt Canada during the season Mm. because most years, I mean, even last year, the year before, he has been very loyal to his assistants, even though they have not executed very well. Mm. He decided to make the change in the way through the season. I think that's a very positive sign. I think still getting this team to the cusp of the playoffs and making the playoffs is still an impressive accomplishment. I just think there's something to always, and I get kind of the, oh, you're going to end up in QB purgatory portion of it, but I think there is something to always being competitive. I think that is something that is very impressive considering the division that Steelers play in and the murderers row of quarterbacks and teams you have to face in the conference. 
being able to consistently put out and being able to consistently win a bunch of games without having that like calling card offensively is still super impressive. Of course, like maybe it's yes, TJ Watt like splash plays, but those still those still matter, you know. I think getting rid of Tomlin would be a little bit of a rash decision, but I do understand the idea of bringing him in the offseason be like, hey, man, uh, something's got to change offensively. Like, this has got to be, like, this has got to be it because you're kind of falling behind because now everybody in the in the division has a quarterback and you still don't. This has got to be it. You know, you got to find your hire. I think maybe hiring a guy like Gerard Johnson from the uh, Houston Texans. Maybe, maybe T. Martin, who is the QB coach for the Ravens, wants to come across the other side he seems like a coach, a coach that'd be re- do wonders. Maybe Anthony Lynn wants to get back into the coordinator game. He's running backs coach for the Steelers, not Steelers, for the Niners right now. There are a lot of options. I just think now it's down to will Tomlin go and find somebody? Because I think that's what he has to do. Like he has to go bring somebody in. Steelers don't really bring a lot of people in. Like this has got to be a um, I think the biggest comparison, I guess, to a non-NFL thing is Dabo at Clemson, where he's got to go bring in his Garrett Riley. He can't make the internal hire anymore. So this has got to be – this is a crucial year. This is a crucial offseason for him. And that's that's the thing, too. Like, there's going to be – I mean, you, you named a few people. I think There's a few people I have in mind, too, whether it be, you know, Clint Kubiak, I think, is a name that can be looked at. Jake Peets, he's a pass game specialist for the Rams – um, if you wanted to look at a Shane Waldron, maybe a Shane Day, like there's plenty of guys out there who have either been coordinators before or are in a position where they are parts of offenses that you, you can look at the success that they've had and say, okay, this guy's ready to, you know, take the next step and be a coordinator. Uh, I think that a lot of fans, like myself included, want to see him go to, okay, let's go get, you know, a guy from the LaFleur tree, the Shanahan, the McVay tree, somewhere on one of those staffs and try to, you know, get some of that magic to work in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I understand. I, I, I'm not numb to the fact that, you know, people would think it's crazy if they would move on from time. Like I get it. But at the same time, their last five playoff appearances, they have lost all five games and all five games. They have allowed 31 or more points and three of those games. They've allowed 40 or more points. Like they have for the past almost decade. Now they've been good enough to not be good enough. And, once they actually play teams that are good, they get boat raced. And that's not a new thing. That's a reoccurring thing for, you know, the the end of like peak actually good Ben Roethlisberger and into, you know, the the last moments of Roethlisberger's career and then into now where like, yeah, that's cool that you're always competitive as JP pointed out. But like as fans right now, would you rather be like what the Steelers are right now, or would you rather be the Bengals and stink for a year or two, but you finally get a franchise quarterback and it turns around? Like that's right, right now they're the Marvin Lewis. But they Bengals. got kind of lucky, man. So, the Bengals again, got lucky. The Bengals, the Bengals got lucky and got the first overall pick, and then the next year had the first overall pick get hurt, so you're able to draft another like elite receiver yeah. in the top five. Like this, not like being the Bengals isn't something that happens often. 
Also, I never thought I would hear a Steelers fan like you. We want to be the Bengals here. We want well, right now, right at any now, point in my lifetime when right growing up. Kind, I never thought I would hear that. Right now, they kind of are the Bengals. They're the Marvin Lewis Bengals. They're good enough to get into the playoffs and then get decimated and then get tossed. He was close ball. though. Some injuries go a certain different way. Who knows if Carson Palmer doesn't go down the way he did that one Look, year? Look, man, in January know. everybody's a little bit banged up. Like I'm tired yeah. of the excuses. I'm very much tired of them. And I was again, a, I was a Marvin Lewis guy. He was solid. Marvin Lewis was solid. That, that's fine, but they haven't won a playoff game since the 2016 season. And that's uh, kind of wild. It, it, I think right now it is the longest streak of like getting into the playoffs and not winning a game because now eight consecutive years where each time they've gotten into the playoffs, the last eight times are the last five times. I want to say they've gotten into the playoffs. They haven't won a game. So that's mm. that's saying something. I will just say, as a fan of a team who, uh, as a fan of a team who has tanked a lot, that shit don't always work out. Mm. And I and I it get it, man. Not, I get it. Like it's, I would just say, let's hold off on the oh, we should tank and get a quarterback. When like, just because you bring a quarterback into the room doesn't mean like, doesn't mean like oh everything's fixed now. Like we're mm. good. We're gonna be good now. Sure. So it's. It takes a lot more than just tanking and then getting the quarterback and then oh you're instantly good. Like I'm not, even, I'm not even saying I'm not even saying tank. I'm saying like get aggressive and either trade for a guy, trade up for a guy, like do one of these things. Like you can go out and trade for a Justin Fields this offseason. Do it. Like why why not do it? You can go out and try to sign a Kirk Cousins. Do it. Why not? Like they cannot roll into 2024 with Kenny Pickett. And if they bring back Mason Rudolph as your quarterback room, but you don't think that's what they're going to do, right? Like that doesn't seem like that's what they're going to do. It would not shock me in the slightest if that's what they do. This is an organization that is historically, then that's a problem. They're historically competent. And once for the past, Oh man, I don't know. Close to a decade now. Like this just feels like a team that pats themselves on the back for not having any losing seasons. They're content with just getting into the playoffs and just being that team that hangs around. It doesn't seem like they've had any real expectations or goals. And while while they'll never, you know, publicly admit that or anything, like you can, no one is going into this season saying, "Oh yeah, Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, we'll, we'll get there." No, you're not. So it would not shock me at all if that's what they do, because this is an organization that is historically just not aggressive, very passive. It you know, hire from within the Steeler way, quote unquote. Like it's. There's a lot of parallels right now between the Steelers and the Patriots in terms of just how bad that they run things. And, you know, everybody, and I know all offseason, I'll hear about, oh, man, the great Steelers organization and consistency. And, you know, consistency implies success. And they haven't had any for a long time. Oof. We'll leave it there on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, JP, your most surprising result uh, was who this weekend? Oh uh, man. Honestly, I don't think I'm really surprised by any of it. Like I <laughs> I of course I think some of the picks I made of course were wrong, but I don't think I was surprised by the Which pick that you were that you had that was wrong were you most surprised ended up being wrong? I guess I I knew there was an avenue to the Browns losing. I didn't think there was an avenue to the Browns being blown out by hmm. Houston. And the thing that kind of stood out the most was once Cleveland had to go to a drop back passing game, the Texans teed off on them. Mm. And it's it's kind of a testament to how good Kevin Stefanski has been as a coach. But you could tell that they were playing with 
third string tackles and a 39 year old quarterback who can't move as soon as he had to get away from play action because play action what it also does outside of move the windows and change the windows for quarterbacks it also helps the offensive line because now you're slowing down that that pass rush so i think that once they were once the texans got them out of the play action game the game was over from that point mm. because then they could just tee off on them will anderson and john grenard are phenomenal I still think, oh, I still think the Texans are a couple of pieces away defensively, but you're starting to see the the San Francisco-iness of that defense with the speed and the physicality that they play with. Honestly, that's the biggest surprise of the weekend. I think the Cowboys losing isn't that surprising because again, I've been on the Jordan Love train since the preseason. Like I there was a there was an avenue for this going the way it did. But yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the Texans blowing out the Browns. I like that. I just, it was one of those, I was out to dinner, my, my folks were in town and just looking over and be like, wait, what? Like, it was one of those where you're, you're looking and you're like, that can't be right. That that can't be right. And uh, it was, it certainly got away from them. And I, I tend to agree that that was probably the most surprising. Um, but Jared Bailey, the most telling result was who? Based on what happened here, who did you look at like this? They, they, this team told on themselves uh, with what happened here. Yeah, I mean, Dallas is kind of the obvious answer here, right? Um, mm. You know, you look at the past couple years where they've been very dominant in the regular season. Everybody's like, oh man, you know, this actually might be the year for the Cowboys. And then, like clockwork, we find <laughs> out. Like, I'm, I was the idiot. I think I came on the show. And I was like, yeah, I picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl in the preseason. Well, hold on. I'm right now. there with you. This is what like we miss you, Evan. We love you, Evan. But this is a this is a moment where I'm glad Evan is not here because he would be rubbing. Oh, man, he'd be going full Stephen A. Smith here um, with this Cowboys segment. And look like for like, like we deserve it. Like it's yeah, it's it's the same thing every year. And, you know, the Packers came out guns blazing, man, like. Yeah. I think it was like third and nine and Jay loves rolling to his right stops, cuts to his left real quick and just fade away jumpers it to Romeo Dobbs over the middle. I think as soon as that play happened, mm. I was like, Oh, okay. He this, had a couple this, of those he over the middle where he's just those. making stuff and guys are just sitting in the soft zone was, and they're just yeah. finding stuff. And he's just, was, all right, if that's what y'all want, times, I'll do it. There's a few times where the Packers, I think just ran like levels types of concepts and the Dobbs just kept finding the hole in the middle. He, mm. Jordan Love had a few of those throws. He had one like on the, uh, like on the goal line. I think it was a two point conversion or is it for a touchdown? I it can't was remember. fourth and two and yeah. they were going for it up like <laughs> 40 to 16. Skips a rock through a, just plants a seed inside such a small hole. Like, man, he, he played a phenomenal game. Um, Aaron Jones had a phenomenal game. Defensively, they put the Cowboys in hell. And offensively, Matt LaFleur was in his bag and constantly getting guys wide open in terms of just scheming them open. Jordan Love was making the throws. It was a perfectly coached game uh, for the Packers. And the worry coming into this game was, okay, Joe Barry's defense. Like, they're not very good when it comes to uh, defending the pass, especially on early downs. And the Cowboys just didn't take advantage of it. They were Mm -hmm. run heavy early on. Uh, on first down when the Packers were at their at their worst during the regular season was defending the pass on first down. The Cowboys didn't do anything to take advantage of that. So it was just Green Bay outclassed Dallas and Dallas kind of got Mike mccarthy where, okay, it feels like eventually he's going to you know do his thing in the worst possible ways and 
Dak was also not very good. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a perfect recipe for disaster for the Cowboys and for Green Bay. I mean, it, you would be hard pressed to be able to coach a better game than that, to draw up a better game than that, and to have Jordan Love play a better game than that. It was just a perfect disaster for the Cowboys and just everything went right for, for Green Bay. So do y'all remember, I think it was this offseason or last offseason, Kevin Clark, ESPN, had Kyle Shanahan on his podcast. Mm. And Kyle Shanahan talked about how he purposely took the Atlanta Falcons job so he could figure out how to break the Dan Quinn Seattle defenses. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, I got to find it and I'll send it to you guys. But if you go look up mm-hmm. Dan Quinn's record against Shanahan <laughs> and Shanahan adjacent coaches, like outside of the division, of course, it's not that great. And I think Matt LaFleur kind of just he ran circles around mm-hmm. this Cowboys defense just in terms of dressing things up. My biggest problem with the Cowboys defense is that they're soft. And <laughs> the reason I say that is because they play six, they play six DBs at all times. It's kind of because they have to, because the linebackers have been hurt, but also they chose to do this. They came into the season with three linebackers on their roster. This is something they chose to do. And one of those linebackers was DeMarvin Overshawn, who was a 220 pound safety at Texas before moving up in his senior year. When you play a 205-pound linebacker at safety or a 205-pound safety at linebacker, that shit is cool until you have to defend the run like a linebacker and you're 205 pounds. Mm. They got destroyed in the run game. And it was so funny seeing them just dress everything up with motion because, one, that's how the Bills beat the Cowboys with the run game. And, two, it was – Everybody was wide open. You guys touched on it earlier, but they all, they ran these dagger concepts the entire game against uh, Tampa 2. Dan Quinn loves calling Tampa 2 on his third downs because he has enough speed to have the middle runner kind of run with that uh, run that middle middle hole in the Tampa, uh, the Brian Urlacher spot, mm. where you just run up and down the middle of the field and take away all those passes. Dan Quinn has a safety there. The problem is with dagger – when you have that guy running vertical at that linebacker, he's going to run with him because, yeah, it's a it's a 4-3 guy running right at you, and that vacates the dig wide open over the middle of the field. Jordan Love hit Romeo Dobbs on that like twice in the first two drives of the game. It was, it was over at that point. And I think the more damning thing for the Cowboys was that defense getting obliterated. And hmm. I said it uh, – as soon as the first drive happened, uh, Green Bay take re- choosing to receive was the biggest was the moment that this. I was gonna say this. It was a started. sneaky part of like we don't respect you. We are going. We want the ball and we're gonna score. It was a it's very Matt Hasselback thing. It's not only that. It's mm-hmm. the Cowboys are built to play with the lead. Yeah, structurally, defensively, they're built to play with the lead because then teams have to pass the ball. You don't have to pass the ball when you're up. And if you stay up, if you get the ball first and you score first, you're up. So you can run the ball a little more. So really, this was a defensive like disaster for Dan Quinn. Nobody looked mm. prepared. Uh, offensively, the weirdest thing was uh, CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott being off yeah. at a sink. From the first drive of the game, CeeDee Lamb was kind of moping around, which was really weird because it was the first drive of the game. <laughs> it's not like this was mid-game and they're having to talk him up. Like This happened like on the first three and out. Mm-hmm. something clearly was off in prep for that um they just 
and they once, never got back in sync. It was yeah, never it was, like one that was just. It was a it really was, when it rains it pours type mm-hmm. of performance. Um, I don't think the uh, I don't think schematically Joe Barry did anything really special, but the players really made the plays. Kenny Clark was phenomenal mm. on Sunday. Um, the cover one pick six was really cool, and it was more not schematically, but it was oh we know what Dallas does in this situation. It was so funny that. In the timeout before, they were they were talking about how Dak and CD were out of sync and how it just hasn't looked right. And then the next play is the pick six to Darnell Savage, where where Dak is forcing the ball to CD because everybody in the building knows that ball is going to CD on a slant on third and like what it was like third and two, third and three. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the building knew that ball is going to CD on a slant, including the Packers who had their robber guy come right up. Like it's just. But it's which is okay, by the way, because CD has feasted all year long. Yeah, CD, like you, you know, they're going to CD. That was the whole thing. Is like they've gotten away with it all year long because CD it's, has been better than everybody that they've thrown at him. Yeah, it's not like it's a bad idea. CD yeah. and Dak have killed the league on slants this year. Mm. But when you when you know and they know and they have a counter for it, like when it rains, it pours. You know that was a that was really the thing for the Cowboys' offense. It was a very when it rains, it pours. Type of off type of, type of day. Like you couldn't get anything going in the run game. Then the passing game was out of sync. Defense can't stop anybody, and now you're in a twenty to nothing hole. And it's like one of those. I think you play that game a hundred times. I don't think the Packers bl- like blow them out the majority of those times in Dallas. I think it was like you said, where I think it was just a cataclysmic day for Dallas. And starting from behind, we we learned they are definitely not about that. They were definitely shook. But even like I'm over here talking to myself, like talking myself into it at the end of the first half, where they go for it on fourth down, and I'm like, and they get in a great play call. I think it was Ferguson who ended up catching that right, like out of the backfield, and just completely fools uh, Barry's defense. And they go into the half with some momentum. You're like, okay, you're getting the ball back three scores down. It's a lot, but it's home, and this is a good offense. They could do it. And then it just nope. They picked up right where they left off, and they were still out of sync, and it just was not going to be their day. I think the biggest thing here is how unprepared they looked. And that falls on coaching that gets you fired. Like Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn should not be back as Cowboys coaches next year. You, you cannot continuously, the Cowboys are only team in NFL history to have three straight seasons of 12 wins or more and not make the NFC championship and not make a championship game. Like that, that is like, that's insane (laughs) levels of unpreparedness Mm. that gets you fired. You cannot go into a game at home. You've been the best team at home in the league against the youngest team in the NFL and completely just not show up. That is what gets you fired. That is why there's going to be a different guy coaching the Cowboys next year. We shall see um, down the line here. Um, Jarrett, buy or sell? Speaking of uh, Mike McCarthy and Mike Tomlin, who we were talking about earlier, buy or sell? Mike Tomlin would be a better gamble for Dallas than Bill Belichick if they end up firing Mike McCarthy. Are you buying or selling that? Yeah, no, I buy that. I think that right now, for, right now for most teams, like I, JP is, oh God, I know he's looking at me right now. He's <laughs> much higher on Bill Belichick than I think the majority of people are right now in terms of like his ability to still be like a top tier head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, absolutely. Like there was a stretch of time this season when the Patriots like held their opponents to 10 points, 10 points, six points, and they lost all of those games, which that's great that you did that defensively, but his incompetence when it came to like caring about the offense, that worries me. Um, so if you are going to bring on Bill Belichick, you best not let him be the GM. Um, and that better be something that he's willing to be okay with. Um, when well, that's why you to go to Atlanta, where Rich McKay and Arthur Blank are the only two people at the uh, the press conference uh, to uh, announce the the coaching search. And Arthur Smith. That's the thing. Like, if you're if you're Dallas, like you would have like old ass Jerry Jones and now old ass Bill Belichick, who wouldn't get along. I don't think in terms of like bill i don't know bill or jerry Jerry, uh, bill parcells liked uh jerry jones they got along and that's his guy i don't know man um bill parcells got along with jerry jones there's a lot of smoke about like hey jerry and bill actually like each other i think people i think people kind of overhype a little bit how much jerry is invested in the cowboys like day-to-day operation yeah he doesn't he doesn't do a lot like I think team, now he does, and I think it's more Stephen Jones yeah, now. That team anybody. is Stephen Jones and Will McClay, and keeping mm. those, keeping Will McClay specifically, is much more of a reason to hire Bill Belichick if he wants to be there. And does Dak feel like a? Does Dak feel like a Josh McDaniels quarterback? Yeah, in okay. terms of the timing and the precision, yeah. But I, I think you're kind of stuck with Dak, and the reason why I say that is because he. You're gonna have to pay CD Lamb and Michael Parsons a lot of money coming yeah. up. And the only reason that they the only way you're gonna be able to do that is if you extend Dak to create some space for you. Mm. So that's also Dak happen. was arguably the best quarterback in the NFC this year. Dak was Dak was an all great this year. He was, great. Mm. Like he was a very, very good quarterback. I think the playoff stuff, like that's brutal. It's brutal. Like you cannot overlook it at this point, but He's a very, very good quarterback. I think um, so per Ben Baldwin's site at The Athletic, uh, since week 10, the Patriots are first in EPA per play allowed on defense and eighth in success rate allowed on defense. And that is without Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon and Clay, terrific. a lot of a lot of guys who were six and seventh round picks and undrafted free agents on defense. Bill Belichick can still coach the hell out of a football team. Bill Belichick, the GM undercut bill belichick the head coach has always been the problem if you get bill belichick in with the cowboys you get a you get an oc who well, you know it's mcdaniels actually, sure if you want to do josh mcdaniels mm. the cowboys aren't trying to build for long term anyway like jerry yeah. jones wants to see a title that's a, good point. that's a good point jerry jones wants to see a title like now like that's this is the that's the reason you hire bill belichick you want to see instant success and so Tomlin, do you not think could be an instant success guy in Dallas? I don't think it's going to be an instant. I don't think it's not going to be an instant success. I just think Bill would be smarter from a defensive standpoint mm. in terms of just being different defensively. You have Who to would bring Tomlin bring? Would he bring his DC, do you think, if Tomlin leaves? No, he's not bringing Tara Lawson with him. That's okay. that's going to be a whole new outside staff type of thing. And the thing with like Tomlin is like, so there's like this infighting going on between Steelers fans like okay do we think it's Tomlin's fault that good coordinators aren't brought in or do we think it's more of the ownership and the Roonies if let's say that Tomlin would go there like if he would be like yep I'm getting Wink Martindale and I'm getting you know name your offensive coordinator then that would be like oh okay so it's the Roonies that are screwing this entire thing up um 
I don't know what that would look like in terms of if he if he would go to Dallas. Um, but he's not he's not bringing it. The only person I could see him bringing would be uh, linebackers coach Aaron Curry because he's done a tremendous job this year. Like I think that Aaron Curry's gonna be a defensive. Are we talking player. about Seattle Seattle Seahawks legend yes. Aaron Curry? Okay, yes. he's he's done tremendous job this year with the the inside linebackers. So I think that he'll be a defensive coordinator one day. And if Tomlin wanted to bring him with him, I, that wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Um, but yeah, if, if he were to go, there's not. Frankly speaking, there's not anybody on the Steelers staff worth bringing in terms of going from one team to another outside of Aaron Curry and Danny Smith, the special teams coordinator. And we agree, though, that it just doesn't seem likely that Jerry's going to go unproven here, like first time coach to replace McCarthy if he ends up firing McCarthy. Like it's going to be one of the big fish. This is is not going to be a first year head coach thing. Yeah, they want to win now. Like Ben Johnson's not getting a real look here. No. Well, he'll get an interview. But like right. a real look, like when we think Stephen Jones in this group and Jerry, like who are they signing off for here? This is a this is a Bill Belichick spot. If you fire Mike McCarthy, it's Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel. If you want Vrabel, well, just doesn't feel like a fit. It's so weird. I just can't see it. That doesn't feel like a personality fit for me. Vrabel in Dallas, I don't think that happens. I think he wants control, man. Like I think Vrabel has more leverage, and I think him being younger, I think he can kind of wait this out a little bit. Belichick. 72 he wants to kind of you know wrap this up and uh get that uh break the record and see if he can uh get one more ring i think vrabel has but, more vrabel can sit it out and wait a year and maybe get the ohio state job like see how that talking, goes like vrabel has so much mo- he i don't i don't know i just feel like vrabel, non-first year mm. head coaches then i think it goes belichick and vrabel at this point mainly because they're the only two people out there but, but you don't think tomlin's got i think tomlin's on the radar I, I think he's on the radar. Yeah, I think he's on the radar. I now personally, I think he comes back, but I think it's like fifty-five, forty-five right now. Like, it, there's gonna be a leverage play, right? Like Tomlin's beat. Like that, it just feels like there has to be a leverage play here, based thing, on the reaction to the contract question and everything the else. Thing that this with might the, the leverage thing to me is like he's already got the most secure job in football, the most secure job in sports, mm. and he's already one of the highest paid coaches in 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 the sport. Like, what what leverage does he need? Like if he's the fact that this is coming out from Schefter from Florida, but also Jay Glazer, who he's buddies with the fact that that's come out from all three of them, like, Hey, he's kind of pondering things. Mm. Uh, I think that there's some real smoke to that. So the reason I say Mike Vrabel is one, he wins football games. That is, the, <laughs> mm-hmm. that is the biggest reason why if Jerry wants to win football games, you yeah. hire a coach that wins football games. Mike Vrabel has done that. Second, he's hired some pretty good offensive coordinators. Like that, yeah. That has been a thing that he's done very. He can well. have Arthur Smith back. Ar- okay, sure. He can have him back. Do not construe what I say. No, I can. As someone who just did three years of it, JP, I absolutely do, can. Do not twist the words that I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. Arthur Smith was a fine offensive coordinator. In I don't know. I watched some offenses these last three years that were not fine. JP. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The, the problem with Arthur Smith was he latched himself to a bad quarterback. He can't latch himself I, I, to a I bad I think it was uh, taking Kyle Pitts and not using Kyle Pitts. I think it was... I think... Uh, go ahead. That's fair. That's I fair. mean, not using B. John Robinson in the goal line situations. I think there's all kinds of reasons that might lend itself to uh, the fact that uh, Arthur Smith may not be a great offensive coordinator. That's fair. Mike Vrabel also hired Matt Floor. Yeah. Like that. He also like hire Matt Floor. He doesn't have like a Patriots good. coaching tree where he's like loyal to like those. Like he's like, I'll go get whoever. Uh, I'll promote also, from within. I'll go out of the family. Like he, he'll do whatever. Also, there's potential if he does get get another head coaching job, he brings Shane Ballin with him, who is a very, very good defensive coordinator. Hmm. He is one of the reasons why the Titans' defense is always very good and always brings in tough, really physical defenses. He And also, he just seems like he is – he understands winning, like, the Patriot style, but not, like, stuck in the old Patriot way. Like it's more modernized. Yeah. Again, I think you go Bill if Bill. Well, people forget he was a Steeler first. It wasn't like he's this Patriots like Teddy Bruschi lifer. He That's, bounced around a little if, bit. He, Ohio if guy. If Tomlin does decide that either he wants to take a year off, retire, or go somewhere else, I think Vrabel is a prime target for the Steelers. Well, and I think okay, he would like so, that, right? Like that's a long-term security job. Yeah, That's one so, where I think fans would love it too. Yeah. I do also think, of course, this is gonna this is the Bill job if Bill wants it. But I think there is very, very, very real like I think Bill's sticking the Atlanta job. Mm. I I think the Atlanta Falcons head coach Bill Belichick is gonna be a real thing, and I like it. I I think I'm in. Who's I'm not in? there yet. I would I would be so curious because if Bill takes the Atlanta job. He has a plan in place because he interviewed obviously this week. Um, Falcons announced that. If that's the case, the quarterback conversation came up in this interview. And I am just, I would have killed to be a fly on the wall to hear Bill's plan at quarterback. Because if the Falcons hire Bill, he they are hiring Bill. And Bill understands that there is going to be a move made for a quarterback. And I just am very curious what Bill's pitch was to the Falcons brass and what his plan is for a quarterback that it, yep. I, I just, I'm <laughs> so curious what that there. is. That man walked in there was like, you ever heard of Bailey Zappi? He's pretty good. You know what's happening? You know what's happening here? Kirko chains, baby. I don't think so. I, I, I like that idea. Look, you get, and I know that we're going to, again, it's going to be misconstrued. I think Josh McDaniels, like schematically, can do some really fun things with the Falcons personnel mm. in terms of what he was able to, what he wanted to build in terms of 12 personnel being physical up front, uh, a lot of gap scheme running. I think what he can do with that personnel be very fun. Kirk cousins going to be a free agent. The Falcons, like 
I'm not ready for Kirk see, Cousins and Bill Belichick to be my one-two. And it, I, be, I just after the last three years, I don't see know what he does defensively because Ryan Nielsen was very good, but schematically mm. those two do not mesh. I don't think they mesh schematically, which hurts because we finally have a good DC. We had a solid <laughs> defense, and we finally do that, and then we just we finally lose him. But then there's the other aspect to this, right, JP? Which is Steve Belichick is super close with um, Gerard Mayo, VFL, first uh, Tennessee football coach in the NFL, and that story was interesting. Like it's not a slam dunk that Steve Belichick, who's actually been a really good defensive coordinator goes with his dad, wherever he goes, because he and Gerard got really close in film room when Gerard was heard and doing stuff and that he might stay with Gerard. If your dad is Bill Belichick and he tells you to pack your bag, <laughs> we're coming to, we're going to Atlanta. You better pack them damn bags. I'm, you, I'm an adult dad. Party. I'm in my thirties. You, you've been living at the house. Don't, <laughs> don't try and sell me on. I'm an adult. You live in with me. And that means we go into Atlanta. Pack your bags. I hope I hope you like lemon pepper wings. All my friends are here. Too Gerard bad. said he was gonna you'll, give me more. You'll make friends in Atlanta. <laughs> the funniest, the single funniest outcome here is Kirk Cousins and Bill Belichick in Atlanta, Georgia. I just so I was gonna say that the, the two most completely opposite of Atlanta human beings like, being people are gonna bring up Matt Ryan. Matt was cool. Matt was cool. Well, hold on. We had Chris Chandler and Dan Reeves getting us to the Super Bowl. Like, we hold on here. Like, we, I guess, so. yeah. That was pre. Is he our Jeff George? Yeah. Jeff George is there. Yeah, having a uh, June Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, yeah. it's going to be very funny. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Cowboys, Bill's a better fit than Tomlin. I can't wait. This is the most exciting coaching carousel um, that we've had in yeah, a yeah, very yeah. long time. And we're not going to have one like this. Yeah. Again, for for a long time here. Um, tape don't lie, JP. What happened on the field to... Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, with Dan Quinn, but to, for the, the non-football experts here uh, tuning into this program, what happened on the field, if you had to explain in uh, graphic detail of what Jordan Love did to the Green Bay defense? Okay, so I have a couple of clips uh, on my Twitter, at Acosta32 underscore JP. Um, they're... I, there are plays that happen one play after another. And I think it is more it's more Matt LaFleur than Jordan Love. But Jordan Love was also phenomenal. There's another play I'm going to get to later. Mm. But the first play is a 27-yard run by Aaron Jones where the Cowboys are lined up in dime personnel for some reason. Micah Parsons is lined up at off-ball linebacker. Damon Clark is lined up on the edge, even though Micah Parsons is an edge and Damon Clark's an off-ball linebacker. Incredible gambit, Dan Quinn. You are a sly dog. Nobody would predict you'd do that and get run the fuck over. So what happens is the Packers line up during 12 personnel. They motion a tight end in off the line of scrimmage to, to Jordan Love's left. But then they run split zone off of that. And Aaron Jones goes for 27 yards. The next play, they line up in that same formation, same motion, same split zone action, but now it's that tight end leak play that Luke Musgrave scores on where he's wide ass open and nobody is within 20 yards of him. It's the same play off the same, off the same look. That is masterful play calling by Matt Floor. And I think the coolest Jordan Love play, we're going to look at the, uh, the throw to Dobbs in the fourth quarter and be like, oh, that was awesome. My favorite play was in the first half to go up 20 to nothing. It was like third and goal. He comes up to the line. He's an empty. 
he dummy counts. He's the Dallas Cowboys run up, look like they're showing the cover zero. Jordan Love dummy counts him, gets him to show zero. He changes the play at the line of scrimmage, brings the receiver in, snaps the ball, knows he's going to get hit, throws a laser off his back foot to Dontavion Wicks for a touchdown. That is high, high level play. That's high level QB play for a guy who's in his first year, first playoff game in Cowboys Stadium. That is unbelievably smooth and unbelievably good process by a young quarterback. I do we go into next year? Jordan Love is QB one the NFC. No. Okay. Uh, I think tentatively Dak still is like Dak is still very very good. Like that's like like Dak is still very good. I think Jordan Love is closer to Dak now than he was at the beginning of this season. I think he might be closer to Dak than Jalen Hurts is. Um, there's a lot of QB movement still left to be had. There's uh, Kirk might not be in the NFC. Kirk probably a top five NFC quarterback. Uh, I think Jared Goff, as long as he remains in bit with Ben Johnson in Detroit, probably a top five NFC quarterback. Kyler Murray played pretty well coming off of ACL tear. He'll be up. He'll be around there somewhere. What happens with Seattle and Geno Smith is really interesting to me because Geno was still good this year. I think some of the turnover stuff was a little high variance, but I think Jordan Love is closer to Dak than we than we thought going into the season. But he's comfortably top three in the NFC. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I'm taking Jordan Love because, like. I'm not trying to bash Dak, but we talked about it already. The playoff stuff, it's not good. Um, and I understand that wins aren't a quarterback stat, but when you consistently don't play well, like when, when the lights are the brightest, then that becomes like once is a tragedy, twice is a coincidence, three times is it, that's a pattern. That's just kind of who you are. And it's been with multiple head coaches, multiple coordinators. I just think this is kind of who Dak is until proven otherwise. Like great regular season quarterback, but once once you get to the playoffs, man, it's – until he proves that he's not like I understand that they won a game last year against Tampa Bay, but that was a bad Tampa Bay Bucks team that went eight and nine. Uh, so I need to see it from Dak. I saw it from Jordan Love when he's doing it with the youngest team in the NFL, throwing to Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and a banged up Christian Watson. I, I think that, you know, off the season that he just had 32 touchdowns, what 11 picks. Um, I have to go back and look at the, uh, the EPA rankings, but I think since week, 11 he was top five in, in epa per play second to brock purdy since week 12 he's mm. been he's been terrific so in terms of that like you look at his level of play with you know compared you know comparing what he has around him not not bashing wicks or Jaden reed or christian watson but none of them are cd lamb and when it comes when it comes to that he he did more with less or not more he did a lot with you know and if you threw in just about any other quarterback, they're not doing what he did. And uh, his his ability to go off script and consistently make plays, his confident aggression uh, that consistently pays off, like just knowing that he can put a ball wherever he wants to. Um, like once we hit that second that second half of the season and we saw what like a confident, just all the time confident Jordan Love, I think that that you know, unlocked a new level of quarterback that uh, 
you know, he's going to be a problem for a long time. And if like, if I had to take anybody, if you're giving me the option, okay, next five years, you're taking Jordan Love or Dak, I'm absolutely taking Jordan Love without hesitating. I think if contracts are in play here, I do also take Jordan Love with him for the next five years because Dak is going to be on the wrong side of 30 next year and you have to pay him a lot of money. Jordan Love might also get paid a lot of money this offseason. I think the thing for Jordan Love with me now is I want to, and it's going to sound like such a hater, and I promise I'm not being a hater. Uh, I do want to see him do it again next year. Like, I want to see, like, it's not like I think it's a one hit wonder. I think the process has been very good. I just would like to see, like, a larger sample of results. You know, we have seen, like, quarterbacks be very good for one year and then kind of tail Josh off. Josh Freeman had one good year. Like, it's not, like, it's not out of the realm to say, like, this is a one-year thing. I'm not saying it's going to be because I think I have a lot more faith in Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur in a growing offense. I'm just hesitant to pull the trigger on saying he's the best quarterback in the NFC right now. He is comfortably top three, though. I mean, sure. it's him, Dak, and... Maybe Stafford? Stafford. But what happens with Stafford and the Rams this year yeah. gets very interesting wouldn't surprise me if he retired like i don't think that would be all that and also kirk is a sneaky rams guy would not surprise me in the slightest if uh that could be fun if stan if stafford retired i think if stafford does end up retiring i'll say kirk ends up there by the way if stafford does retire i'll i'll go out in left field and say like my my like wet dream for what i want to happen with kirk is that him and ben johnson end up in seattle i think that that would be just just tremendous like having ben johnson with Kirk and then DK and Tyler Lockett and JSN, I sign me up. I would love to watch that team every week. Is Gino uh, a starter next year? Yes. Okay. For who? Um, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would love that for Pittsburgh. Gino was good. Like Gino's, good. Gino's a good quarterback. Um, if Bill does get the job in Atlanta. I think Gino in Atlanta would be would kind of rock. I want to draft a quarterback <laughs> in the top 10 of the NFL draft and stop the malarkey. Who, We're not doing this. Who I are you will drafting not. At, who are you drafting at eight? I don't care. Jaden Daniels. I, we're moving up. He's We're not, not taking somebody at eight. We're moving up. We're moving I, up to the top three. I hope, I hope y'all do. Like, I hope the Falcons do because it's time. I'm speaking this into existence. I am it's tired. Time to, it's time I am to, tired. I don't want Jay, to do this again. Jay's done speaking in ifs and whens, and he's saying this is going to effing happen. Yes, I am done. I'm wearing the, like, the old, like, Falcons. Like, we're going oh, no. to war here, buddy. We're going to war here, Buster Brown. Like, I am going to war for the top three pick. Like, I don't care which of the three you take. You are taking one of the three. And we are trying to build that way. You have everything else there. The offensive lines, like, just do it. Just do it. Justin Fields, no. Gino, no. Kirk, no. Stop being cute. You're not a plug-and-play franchise. There's a reason. The only long run of success the franchise has ever had, ever, in the history of the Atlanta Falcons, dating back to the 60s, is a top three pick you have to draft a quarterback here you have to take a chance and go back down that rabbit hole and take one of those three i don't care if it's Jaden daniels i don't care if it's drake may and i don't care if it's caleb williams 
you are taking one of those three and you're going to like it. You are going to do that. You are getting your broccoli in there. You're going to deal with the lumps <laughs> of a rookie quarterback with this group, but you are going to do it. I don't care. I will lose my mind if they go down this. They're like, look, Mariota, Heineke, Ritter, like we're... Look, man, we can we can we can figure this out. We can pick it. We can mix and match. Maybe we get Justin Fields in here. Give up some picks for Justin Fields. That's what we could do. We could maybe figure this out. He might be popular. Do you know he was from Atlanta? Do you know Justin Fields? He's from Atlanta. Did you did you know? And when we say Atlanta, we mean Kennesaw, Georgia. Like, yeah, he's from Harrison High School. Not close. Um, no, it doesn't matter where Justin Fields is from. It doesn't matter that Kirk might be a good fit for Bill Belichick. I don't care. That's not a long-term answer. I want 15 years again of quality, fun quarterback play where I went into every season like, you know, this could be the year. This, uh, if I was going to the Super Bowl, you know what I miss? I miss that. And Geno Smith, good player, doesn't solve that for me for 10 years. You know who doesn't solve that for me for 10 years? Kirk Cousins. None of them are going to be playing in the NFL in 10 years. You know who will be playing in the in the NFL in 10 years? Jane Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams. You are well, taking one of those three. I mean, you don't Ran know. Over. You, you don't know. First of all, fantastic brand. First yeah, of, great you, job. You also don't know if those guys are going to play in the NFL for 10 years. Like, we're, This is very much... Uh, uh, a, the odds. The odds, at least two of those guys will. Sure, but it could be anything. It could even be a boat. I will also say if Bill Belichick's the head coach, he's not. <laughs> that took me a minute. I will say if Bill Belichick is the head coach, he's not drafting the rookie quarterback again. Well, he's sorry, sick. Bill. He's sick of that. Sorry. Shit. He is sick of having us play a rookie quarterback and having to teach him. If Bill's if Bill's the head coach, get ready to learn Kirk. Well, here. Buddy. All right. Well, <laughs> then I pivot back to Bill. Hey, Bill. Um, what what did you do to get your best quarterback in franchise history? What happened there? Did you draft him? Was he an in-house option that you? In what is that? Was that okay, an in-house? Was that in-house? Let's slow down here. Mm -hmm. First of all, yeah, we cannot try. Hold on, what was Drew Bledsoe? What was Bledsoe? We cannot try and replicate Tom Brady. We need to. We're stop not doing that. We're just drafting a quarterback. That's the way to do this. The, Draft the quarterback. Thing, Bill, we already talked about this. Bill's seventy-three. He's yeah. not going to be around much longer. He's going to want to win. And look. I understand that you want, uh, you know, a long-term answer and whatnot. You can have your cake and eat it too in a few different scenarios. Like, there's a world where, like, you can sign Kirk Cousins to, you know, a two-year deal and still draft a guy to have weight. The, the Packers did it with with Jordan Love, and it's paid dividends so far. Yeah. Like there, and look, there's also been scenarios where, okay, Matthew Stafford signs with the Rams or gets traded to the Rams, wins a Super Bowl. Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay, wins a Super Bowl. Like they have a roster in place. They had a roster in place in both situations where they were just a quarterback away. The Atlanta Falcons are just a quarterback away, man. They have a tremendous defense. Just basically just named an all pro. They've got mm. so many pieces on that side of the ball. And offensively, you got so much young talent that's waiting to be tapped into. They just need a quarterback. That's the thing. If you get a guy like Kirk, who was fantastic, having the best year of his career before he got hurt, you put that in Atlanta, man. That's uh, that's an eleven win. Fine, team. you could have Kirk, but guess what? You're still trading up to top three. That's fine. You're still taking that's one of the three quarterbacks. Fine. Don't no, care. Think, no. Yes. 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 Tra Why not? You're, not? you're not trading up into the top three to take a quarterback if you sign Kirk Cousins. Yes, you are, because Kirk Cousins, you do a two-year deal in that scenario. No, sorry, Kirk, you get two years with Bill, and then we're hasta la vista. I think in the, I think in this case, if they sign Kirk Cousins, they are more likely to take a day two guy. Day two guy. Oh, then you're out. Sorry, no day two. This is not a day two zone. Nope, <laughs> out of here. No, no, just, no, no. I, this, this I don't think. 
if they sign Kirk Cousins, I don't think they're drafting the quarterback in the first round. Well, then guess what? Sorry, Unless, better like, better learn uh, Los Angeles, buddy, because you're out of here. Do <laughs> do they want to trade up and trade assets in the future for a quarterback who's yes not going to play? In yes, the, he's not gonna, who's not going to play for the first three years of his contract. Don't care. Just did it. Yeah, don't care. The Packers had Aaron Rodgers. It's a yeah. completely different thing. I don't care. You can never have too many quarterbacks when you've had zero for years now. We've had zero. Have you ever heard the old adage of uh, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks? I'm sorry. Are the two best franchises right now in sports, are they always having two quarterbacks? Like, when have the 49ers ever had just one quarterback? When, when have the, the Packers ever had, ever had just one quarterback? When, I mean, dating back, Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. How did that work out for Kansas City? This is what a lot of good franchises do. I'm sorry. If you want to be a better franchise, Atlanta Falcons, you know what you say? We're about to be adults again. We're going to, hey, we're going to sit you down. You're going to get paid well. You're going to learn from a, a great NFL vet. Here's what you're doing. You're learning behind Kirk Cousins for a couple years, and then it's yours. If you play well and you get ready to go, but that's our new thing. We are actually going to be a competent, forward-thinking franchise. We're not doing this anymore. I just hope you're ready for those J.J. McCarthy edits. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh because God. that's the quarterback you're drafting at eight. Uh, no yeah, probably no no that's unfortunate <laughs> get ready to learn jj mccarthy buddy so, yeah sorry to hear that jc he, he jp might have just had a bar there that might be right <laughs> um all right let's end on this i just draft a quarterback in the top three folks that's just it's a better path to victory um speaking of better path to victory based on how the first round went here uh jared Yes. Do the Ravens or the 49ers now have a better path to the Super Bowl? Ooh, uh, I'll say the 49ers just because the quarterbacks that are remaining in the AFC scare me a lot more than the quarterbacks mm. and the teams remaining in the NFC. Like, I lo love the Lions, love the story, and I think that we're going to get a Lions 49ers NFC Championship game, which would be pretty fun. And if both teams are playing their best, I think we're going to get a high scoring game. Um, but I think that ultimately, you know, the Lions on their best day aren't as good as the 49ers on their best day. Like if if the Ravens play the Bills and you say, OK, both teams are going to play really well. I'm probably I mean, I'm biased. I get it. But I'm picking Buffalo. If they oh, play the no. Chiefs, if they play the Chiefs, I'm not ruling out that the Chiefs would beat Baltimore. Like it's just it's a more difficult path with more potential road bumps for Baltimore than it is like if the 49ers play Tampa. Like, love the story, but if they play, if they play the Bucks, guess who's getting stomped by thirty? The Buccaneers. Uh, I don't see like the Texans play the Ravens this week. They played each other week one. This is a very different, more confident Texans team than week one. They don't have Tank Dell, which does stink, but I think they the Ravens open as nine and a half point favorites. Guess what? Houston's covering that, bud. And uh, I'm I, I just think that the road is much more difficult for the Ravens in terms of potential road bumps where the quarterbacks are better. I think the, the overall teams are better uh, in the AFC right now than they are in the NFC. I, uh, I agree that the road is easier for uh, the Niners and I don't even think it's really close. I, this might be spicy JP, but I think the winner of chiefs bills is going to the Super Bowl. I think so too. That's my gut. I think we have somehow begun to underrate the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Um, 
I think if the Ravens beat the Texans, I think the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. I think mm. I think they are the most well-equipped team to defend the Bills and the Chiefs and the Niners, obviously the 49ers. And again, like, look, I agree. I think the Niners have the easier path. I mean, as much as we love Jordan Love and love Jared Goff and love what Baker Mayfield has been doing, like Jordan Love, this is going to be his first time going to SoFi and playing playing against the 49ers. And they're going to have home field throughout the entire playoffs. I worry about Jared Goff against any form of pressure when he's not in Detroit. I worry about Baker Mayfield in general. Um, <laughs> Jordan Love, again, first-year starter, first first time going to Kansas, not Kansas City, but uh, going to San Francisco as a starter. It's going to be a, a difficult road. But I think the Ravens are so – I think the Ravens are so good at just – they – they are big. They're big game winners this year. They are. They win big football games, and I think that that medal, that toughness that they show to win the big football games, is going to show in the divisional and AFC championship games. They the do. takes if Allen's the one to beat Lamar in the AFC title game, dude. I will be the most unbearable human being on this podcast, <laughs> on Twitter, on go go ahead, say JP. Too bad they're not beating the Chiefs. They oh, they're beating the Chiefs. I don't think here's so. The, here's the thing. I don't, if if they do not beat the Chiefs in Buffalo, that's a funeral. People are getting fired. You I don't blow it up. I don't think you just can't get over the hump. Like I, I think, think they, that, and that's part of the reason I think the Bills are like if they get over that hump and that rise, then there's nothing stopping them at that point. They go, they beat Kansas City and in uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, repeat chances. Like per, sorry, Baltimore. Per, uh, personally, <laughs> it's just get ready to learn Cancun, buddy. I think that they do what the Steelers did in 05, where the Steelers needed to win out to get into the playoffs, and then they won out and won the Super Bowl. I think that we see something similar. I think the reason that I'm picking Kansas City is because the Bills just – eventually the injuries are going to – they're going to catch up. They they're are going, beat up. They're going to catch up, and they are beat up on the defensive side of the ball against the Chiefs team that has finally kind of figured it out a little bit with who they throw the ball to and yeah, okay, who they get yeah, the ball to. And getting again, if Kair Elam has to play, I'd be very worried. But if Rasul Douglas is going to play, sure, sure. He man. already said he was going to play, so that that does seem like a positive sign. I also think that the Chiefs' defense is phenomenal, it's and really I think good. that they're going they're going to they're going to get up for a big game. They're going to get up for a big big moment game. I think Chris Jones is going to have a phenomenal day because like it's it's going to be hard to continue to stop all of those guys. Um, and look, I just I just worry about the health for, for Buffalo defensively. I worry that eventually the the bill is going to have to come due. So that's I think that this week against Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team, who I was kind of worried, like going into the playoffs, like they might do it again. But I just think I just think Baltimore is too good. I think Baltimore has been the best team in the league. They have shown that they have been they – they win big games against the best teams, and that's, that's going to show. I think that's going to show this year. I think this is the year Baltimore gets back to the Super Bowl. I'm on the boat of it's going to be incredibly tight against Kansas City. Uh, we're going to find out if Terrell Bernard's going to be able to play. Roswell Douglas said he is playing, which is a big like, – they, they need him. Um, 
but you know they they continue to have guys step up um i think we'll have to see if tyrell dodson's active as well because he didn't play today against pittsburgh but you know greg rousseau has come up when they've needed him to they got daquan jones back ed oliver's had a really nice year like their front four is nasty like low-key they've they've taken big step forward uh on uh, in terms of having uh, a quality front four um but yeah uh Dane Jackson had a really nice game last week against Miami. So, you know, they've shown depth in the secondary. You don't love if Kyrie Elam has to start. That's completely understandable. Um, hopefully Taylor Rapp is back next week as well to get you a little bit more depth at safety. Um, but yeah, that is the big question for Buffalo is health on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we know offensively they're, you know, when they're on, they're on. Um, and I think that's just, that's what I'm leaning on right now is just, there's something for a team that just won't stay dead. And they had a 5% chance of making the playoffs after losing to Philadelphia and they won out, they won the division. And I don't know, man, something just in me thinks that they're going to do it. And also, or go ahead. Finish. Go ahead. No, like, you know, if, if it does end up being Baltimore and Buffalo in the AC title game, like I think it will be, they'll travel to Baltimore and we'll see. Like, Baltimore has yet to reach an AAC title game with Lamar. Obviously, his respective injuries have had a lot to do with that. Um, but I, I just don't think that – I don't trust – how do I want to word this? If the Bills offense has a great day, I think it's wraps. And I think that they have the, the ability to do that on different levels, whether it be James Cook taking over or whether it be Diggs or whether it just be Josh Allen being a madman and saying, I'm not losing today. And taking over like that. They have multiple ways to beat you. It's doesn't always have to be pretty. There's going to be a few of those throws where like, Joshua, what are you doing? But man, uh, there are few players I believe in more in the league when, when they're hot than Josh Allen. And I just, I don't know. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's losing again the rest of the year, man. So I think my thing is, and of course this is kind of just backed up with what I've seen, like since Joe Brady has taken over, Especially post, especially post Cowboys game, the Bills have been kind of sluggish against teams with a pulse defensively. Like the steel, the Steelers game on on Monday, the Steelers do not have a pulse. Uh, I'm worried about how that how that game pans out against defenses with an actual pulse, and that can kind of harass Josh Allen a little bit, and kind of again kind of make him see things that aren't like that aren't there the simulated pressures the things that oh a guy is coming oh wait no he's not speeding him up speeding up his process that's what the ravens do like that's what the ravens do defensively like that is their entire mo they got speed everywhere i think defensively they're just they're so airtight and i just the same reason you say I'll put my faith in Josh Allen in a game. Lamar has not this year. Lamar has shown that he doesn't really lose the big game. He, he has played at his best in the big games when the team needs him the most. And I, I really do worry about what the bills and, Bills look like against Kansas City because Kansas City's defense is very real and it's really good. Very and is going to throw a lot at Josh Allen. Oh, but also the Ravens have to be careful with the Texans. Like the Ravens Texans. have to be careful with the Texans. I think we cannot overlook either of these opponents. Mm-hmm. 
it's just going to be really fun. I think we ended up getting the four best quarterbacks from the AFC mm. this year, which is really cool. Um, and then on the NFC, it's just anything can happen. We said it before the season, like anything can happen in an NFC that's kind of open. But it's really kind of it's San Francisco and everybody else. And yeah, I was gonna say and pick the team to to travel to Levi's and see if they can can do the impossible. There is a real path though where somehow the Chiefs still end up hosting an AFC Championship game, which is really annoying. I I'm telling you, I I don't know. Like I, there's something in me that's like, hey, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, I get it, man. I can't, I can't do it. I, I get it. Um, I really do. But here's the thing. He's not going to get there every year. As much as it might seem like he might, there will come a time where he doesn't. He already hasn't twice. I know. I get it. I get it. But like, he's not going to be in the AFC title game every year. He's not going to be like, eventually there's going to be a spot where, you know, the Chiefs just take a small step back. If getting to the divisional round is taking their small step back. Yeah, I get it. Like they still had a great year despite all the outside. But like, He's not. They're not going to get the AC title game every year. They're not going to get yeah. to the Super Bowl every year. But I think that. This and what is these be, years, you know what? Josh is going to get through? You know I what? Hope so man. You know what? They said the same thing about LeBron James, and then he ran off ten straight Finals appearances. I think NBA yeah, is a different not, than the NFL. I, listen, yeah. I, I get it. I get That's it. Great. Run through the Atlanta Hawks and the Pacers all you want. Whoa, but, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. First of all. First of all, those 2015 Atlanta Hawks team had the best record in the oh, NBA. Great. They actually Paul were Millsap all, all they were how, they how were the players of the month. They were collectively in January. They were all uh, they were all, all the stars. Like that is not that's not a bad team. That you don't is. walk into the Highlight Factory and just get ready to defend Tabo Cephalosia and exactly. just expect Come to get on, away with it. And, respect, and, and then LeBron swept them because they were second tier good players. Respect master of the pick and pop, Paul Millsap. Oh uh, yeah, right. I mean Paro Antich. Who's messing with Paro Antich at the Kyle on the Corver. perimeter? Kyle Korver, that's right out to play. Yeah, that's what are we doing? They are second tier good players, and they got swept and showed it. Wow. You know what? I'm I'm just saying, and it it would be incredibly funny if this were the weakest Chiefs team, and they still ended up making the Super Bowl because no Patrick Mahomes is that good. Like it's again, I Chiefs. To, I'm worried. Chiefs Niners would be ugly. This version of it, I don't think it would be fun to watch at all. I think it would be ugly. I I'm honestly kind of intrigued by it because uh, I, I don't. I, I don't want. I don't it. think it's. I don't think it'd be a high scoring game. I want Bills Niners. Is what I'm rooting for right that's now. That's my. That's what I think is going to happen. That's what I'm hoping sort of happens. I guess. Um, being like the de facto bills fan i guess i am now um ravens man. packers would also be fun run ravens me my run me my rematch ravens niners run it back run that back yeah i'm gonna i wouldn't hate I'm, that either that'd be good i'm gonna be the contrarian of pop culture that i am and say i don't want to see it mm. be i'm also just week to week with lamar like let's see him get through what, another playoff game let's <laughs> i'm just a week to week lamar jackson he's week to week I'm kind of, I hate that I'm kind of in the same boat. Right? Like, like he's a week to week guy. Yeah. I think that that's a good way of putting where I'm at with him, too. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jared Bailey, what can the good folks check out from you all across the internet this week? Um, I'm going to do, well, for, first of all, my first mock draft for Behind the Steel Curtain, first Steelers mock draft. That'll be fun, I guess is a word for that. 
I'm going to be doing a piece on the Green Bay Packers for USA Today, um, comparing basically just comparing them to the movie Young Guns, just because they're so young. And I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to attack it. Maybe I'll try to assign like each player a different character from the movie. By the way, if you've never seen Young Guns, it's a ter- terrific movie. Go watch it. Um, never saw it. What? It's like nope. no, it's an incredible western. A lot of great. Okay. Uh, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips. Go watch it. Great movie. Young okay. Guns Two is also very good. Um, but yeah, basically just highlighting the Packers' youth and just how terrific a lot of their offensive stars have been this year. And so that'll be this week on USA Today. Um, and yeah, uh, the pump fake. Uh, recapping what happened in wildcard round, previewing the divisional round, best weekend in football. So busy, busy week. There you go. JP Acosta, what about you and the good folks over there at SBNation.com? So I will also be writing about the Packers, but I'll be writing about how Matt LaFleur deserves more of your respect. He completely stuffed Dan Quinn into a locker this weekend, and (laughs) he deserves a lot more respect from the general NFL fan base. I'm also might break down some of the, uh, the matchups we're going to see, some of the things I think are going to be fun. That's going to be in my established fun this weekend. And overall, I'm just excited to get into watching film back from the weekend, getting into watching film for the Senior Bowl, getting, getting a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff. I like it. I like it. Go support and check out Jarrett and JP's good work all across the internet this week and each and every week uh, during the Cinevel season, also in the off season when we get there, but we still are in the heart of the playoffs. So make sure to keep it up with uh, the good folks here and all that good stuff. Uh, Jarrett, JP, thank you as always. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 